This is Minute 79 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and with me today, returning from yesterday, I have Scott. Hello, Scott. Hi. And I have Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello. Today, we're going to be discussing Minute uh, 79, which starts with Cher wandering around and finishes with Cher wandering around. She <laughs> is on this very long journey. She she talks. She starts off talking about this Josh and Ty thing was wigging me more than anything, um, and she kind of talks it through, saying how Ty is a pal, and she doesn't begrudge her a boyfriend, but she really. And then she gets distracted by seeing a dress in the window, which is <laughs> a a classic share trait. She got distracted earlier by a Snickers bar. Here she gets distracted by um, a dress. And then when we cut to the next little bit where she's walking around, um, she's got a, a bag in her hand. So obviously she went into the shop and, and bought that dress. Uh, she walks past this really like weird looking kind of like cottage, I think is how I would describe it here. I don't know how yeah, Americans would describe it. I don't yeah. know what the heck that was. Like I, I was just like, what is that, a gingerbread house? Does like an old witch live there? Like, I don't, <laughs> It's like a really weird choice to use. Yeah this i guess they and, just i mean the sky behind it is really blue as well it's like yeah. really kind of like saturated it's a, it's a, it's a it's it's a beautiful looking shot but it is a really odd choice mm-hmm. to go from that to her being on the, the streets of los angeles wandering around like anthony kiedis in the uh, under the bridge video right um so and we get little we get little clips of we get you know uh joss eating the cheetos from you know earlier on we get a bit of of paul rudd dancing and shaking around to mm-hmm. the uh, Mighty Mike Boss tones. And we get a little bit of him. Um, I, I would say like kind of like the, the money shot is him kind of smiling. Uh, and I don't think that smile was directed at Cher. I think, oh, I, I mean, it might have been. I think it's from when they went to pick up food for the uh, for the lawyers who were doing the depositions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get like a shot of that. Um, and, you know, just Paul Rudd smiling at us. Uh, uh, and Cher has been walking like all day because <laughs> it ends up being night and she she wanders in front of um, what we'll soon see is a fountain. But we're kind of on the edge of it, so we can't really see it properly. And uh, and that's kind of like where that's where our minute finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the this is the first use of the word Baldwin to describe someone who is good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had like a Betty to describe Cher's mother. And we've had a um, how was Amber described the, the a painter, Barney the, the Monet no no she was a Monet oh a Monet was, yeah yeah <laughs> far away she looks terrible up close she looks like lots of little and um, yeah and then and we had the Barneys which was just like a generic guy mm-hmm. and here we get the Baldwin so this is like this is all 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 of the slang about describing people's attractiveness has finally been uh, finally been used but I think it's interesting. Um, that, that they use the Baldwin brothers as an example of like handsomeness, which I guess in in like ninety four ninety five kind of made sense. But now, when you look at like Alec Baldwin and Daniel Baldwin, and, <laughs> and God help us, it Stephen Baldwin. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really means something different now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you would say, uh, now you would say the Hemsworths, right? He's a yeah, he's, he's total a total Hemsworth. Hemsworth yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of people doing this to this film, but yeah, if you had to modernize this, I guess a Hemsworth would be uh, would be yeah. the right description. Um, or if he was a little freaky, you could say that he's a total star. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is the opposite? What is the opposite? Is he like a Buscemi? Is that what we're talking about? Or are there multiple Buscemi's? Well, no. Um, yeah, he's got a brother. I don't think his brother acts. Though. Oh my god! So, um, yeah, it's a, but yeah. So, I mean, what do you guys think about this minute? This kind of this this long uh, like voiceover, which will not conclude until the next minute. We'll get the money shot in the next minute. The real money shot of this film. We'll get you know the words we've been waiting to hear for. For seventy nine long minutes, um, you know it, that will that will finally pay off in the next minute. But what were your guys' thoughts on this minute in particular? Other than the weird, I mean, yeah, the it, weird um, cottage, yeah. Other than yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know how often the uh, how often you guys talk about uh, the, the the book Emma by Jane Austen, but uh, the, the, this part of the the film is directly kind of like my favorite part of the book. I actually really love Emma by Jane Austen. I know it's kind of her it doesn't get as much love as some of her other books but um i just i love it i I think the character of emma is one of her greatest characters and it was this part of the story you know where you have this delightful intelligent independent girl that thinks she has all the answers and then you know she she you know you, you you she finds out that she's just as clueless as 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 the rest of us and um yeah and 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 this is really i think what kind of separates this movie from uh you know kind of the typical uh you know kind of the you know what the the, the critics or you know the the kind of write off this movie like oh it's for girls and it's not it's just shopping and materialism and whatever but yeah it, it's really this moment where you know you you see how vulnerable this character is and how vulnerable you know Alicia Silverstone and Amy Heckerling allow this character to be but while still you know having a lot of affection for her and yeah no I, I i i i think this is the minute where this movie becomes something classic mm-hmm. you know it, it goes from great to classic in my opinion for me this was this was the scene uh there there's this scene and then there's obviously the money shot uh in tomorrow's minute but but this was the scene where i started to look up who the director of photography was for this movie because the the cinematography of this movie is really really great and shock of shocks it's bill pope who is one of my favorite cinematographers <laughs> this is like one of his earlier movies but he went on to do the matrix movies he did the spider-man movies with sam raimi he did the world's end he did scott pilgrim um i mean he's he's a really really top-notch cinematographer and uh that was one of the things that i noticed and so like i went back through the movie and was like kind of just pouring over the cinematography of this movie and um, this this scene in particular, like I'm I'm pretty sure that gingerbread thing was probably or that cottage or whatever um, is probably maybe a choice that he made because I imagine that they would just like kind of strolled around Los Angeles and just shot stuff and then edited it together because it didn't really matter what they were shooting for the sequence because very very little of it um, has anything directly to do with what uh, Cher is talking about in the voiceover. Um, so. Yeah. I just imagine they kind of like went around and shot a bunch of B-roll and they just, they found really interesting places to shoot 
Um, and uh, that's that's the thing that that stuck out for me is uh, uh, Bill Pope is just a man. What a what a great cinematographer. Yeah, that is something I don't think people have actually touched upon in the film much because obviously a lot of this film is dialogue Mm -hmm. a lot of it is character stuff so there's there's like there there is a lot of good cinematography it's not really something that you notice until you get something like that shot of the of the the weird looking cottage Mm -hmm. um but yeah bill pope you know obviously he's done a lot of stuff for sam raimi and you know um most recently he did the jungle book Mm -hmm. uh this year so you know I mean, I would like to point out that he uh, he also was the cinematographer for the TV show Maximum Bob, um, <laughs> which if you don't know Maximum Bob, you should. It was only like eight episodes long. It was cancelled like super quick. Um, oh, so like two BBC series. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, two, two and a special. Um, but yeah, and that and that had um, that had. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bo Bridges was like the the title character. It's based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Mm. It's like that weird period of time where like anything Elmore Leonard had written, because it was just I think it was just before Out of Sight came out, but it was after Get Shorty, and people were just like, "What has what has this guy written? Let's start making stuff by him." And um, Barry right, right. Barry Sonnenfeld was the um, was the director, but the the series also had uh, uh, Todd Holland who directed some Twin Peaks. And uh, Elodie Keane and, you know, like, there was a lot of really good directors worked on that show and Bill Pope was the cinematographer for it. And it is a beautiful looking show. Mm. Um, So, you know, obviously that's what he's bringing to this film. But yeah, like, his cinematography, like, there are a lot of, I mean, we'll see a little bit of this in our final minute where you get the shot of Murray and Dion on the bench Mm -hmm. and it's framed beautifully. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that Bill Pope has obviously brought to this um you know this film and, and like the, this kind of little walking around like montage and particularly in the next minute when we get when you get the fountain mm-hmm. again that it's just like it's like a well everything is like framed so perfectly um you know does like i said there's a lot of this film that's just people sitting on couches and mm-hmm. you know people talking around dining tables so it's not stuff where you, he gets to show off. So I think obviously he must've took this opportunity when they were like, we want to do some stuff outdoors, Bill, where do you think we should go? And he was like, Oh, finally, finally yeah. I get a chance to show off my, uh, my skills. Yeah. There's, there's um, a few, there's yeah. like a handful of shots in the movie where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like the, the shot after the, um, after the Brittany Murphy makeover, when she started like hopping up and down in front of the mirror. Yeah. That's a beautiful, it's a, yeah. beautiful shot. It's a beautiful shot. It's a great shot. That is so, and and I think as well, like he he manages to frame it and capture it perfectly, so that you get her personality, like mm-hmm. in that shot as well. Like mm-hmm. it's not just him showing off with like how he can set it up so that he can get all the mirrors, but also like manages to get her like personality to come through it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I don't feel we've talked enough about the cinematography in this film, but like I say, there's very few occasions where you get that chance, so it's good that in this minute we get a little kind of like shot of it mm-hmm. um but i do want to talk a little bit about how um Cher describes josh and kind of how she kind of gradually comes around and like you say nick this is this is very similar to in the novel where she talks about mr knightley and she you know emma finally realizes after harriet tries to make a move on mr knightley that actually if anyone's going to have mr knightley it should be her and like the way the way that that Cher is describing it is she says like he dresses funny he listens to complaint rock uh he's not even cute in a conventional way which you know that turns into like a baldwin 
I'll get a couple of sentences later. Um, you know, he hangs, he's a slug who hangs around the house all the time. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> but each of these are like intercut with like quite funny moments, particularly when she says like, he's a hideous dancer. I couldn't take him anywhere. Um, which ties a little bit into some of the, the last like, minutes that I covered, which was after, after the boss town's party, she comes home with Josh and she's, she's talking about how Ren and Stimpy are way existential and he says, do you know what that word means? And she's like, no, but do I do I sound like I know what I mean? So that's like the, the only time in this film where she's been vulnerable with anyone is kind of admitting that sometimes she says words she doesn't understand. <laughs> and that's like, you know, that's like where, where he was eating the, the Cheetos. And that's kind of like one of the little flashes that they put in here. Um, and also, you know, that's when she encourages him to stay at the house over spring break. And she's like, you know, you can you can stay around here. You can come to parties. And he's like, oh, you don't want me at, at your parties. And so it's funny that she's saying here, he's a hideous dancer. I can't take him anywhere. When obviously earlier in the film, she encouraged him to hang around the house. You know, she's encouraged him to do these things that she's criticizing him for. Um, you know, and then she's she's like, this is Josh. You know, like, <laughs> which I think is is funny, kind of a funny way to put it. Um, and then, you know, she's she kind of twists it into like, Ty can't make him happy. He needs someone with imagination, someone to take care of him, someone to laugh at his jokes. So she's she's gone from, you know, I don't like how he dresses or what he listens to or, you know, the fact that he hangs around the house eating Cheetos. But if he's going to do all that, he's going to need someone like me to look after him. So I think it's like interesting that she kind of, um, her attitude kind of goes through this, this kind of like 180 through the course of this her walking around and obviously she's walking around because she hasn't got a driver's license mm -hmm. and she has she she obviously has lost the uh, the jeep um you know the daddy must have took it off her because you know if you can't drive uh, you can't have the jeep there's a great um it, uh there's a thing we learn i i went to school for acting and uh when when you're doing a, a monologue particularly for like auditions because when you audition for plays often you come like with a monologue that you've been working on for years or months or days or minutes and uh uh there, there's a thing that 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 we learn where it's like a monologue is you have to keep coming up with new reasons to keep talking you know you can't just shoot it off without stopping uh it's like i'm gonna okay i really just want to say this one thing well now i want to say this one thing oh well, now i want to say this other thing and you know what now i'm going to say this thing and that this is such a great monologue because without her saying anything and i guess it's technically a voiceover but She's she she's 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 we're 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 hearing her learn and discover, you know, and it's such a great marriage of, you know, uh, I mean Alicia Silverstone's wonderful narration and, um, but you know, cross cut with the editing of Paul Rudd, you know, because like the movie is saying so much without telling us, like we don't need to see how Harris like wait actually I am attracted to him or. Oh wait, I do like his dancing because like we know and we know as humans what that is to suddenly be like, whoa, oh my God, all those annoying things. That's actually why this person is like really important to me, you know, or why I'm really attracted to this person. So I think, I think, I think this, I think this minute shows why this is actually like a well-directed, well-made mm -hmm. film, you know? I also think, uh, it gives the, cause I, I don't think the audience at this point knows that Cher should have feelings for Josh. Um, because, because, right. you know, the movie tells you, well, they're, they're, they're brother and sister, you know, over and over again, they remind you of this fact. And 
in their relationship they do. And then during this montage, I think, is the moment where the audience is like, oh, wait, they're just stepbrother and sister. Wait a minute. Do they have feelings for each other? And so it allows the audience to sort of get a little ahead of Cher just before she has the revelation herself. Um, but just to explain the whole um, ex-stepbrother, stepsister thing, um, Amy Heckling's grandparents were stepbrother and sister when they married. And so that is, oh. that is where Amy Heck that is why... The, the, those two characters are that's what that's how she wrote it into this script because she had experience of her her, her grandparents marrying and they already knew each other because their parents had married and divorced so uh, it is a weird it is a weird detail that a number of people pick up on um they do have share say mm -hmm. several times you're not my brother to him so yeah they kind of trying to ameliorate it, but yeah, it is a little bit uh, Le Cousins Dangereuse from Arrested Development, where they have to emphasize uh, the relationship. Um, yeah, so it's an odd choice. What's funny about that, though, um, that stepbrother stepsister thing is that uh, there was a show on like um, TGIF in America called Step by Step, and uh, and in it. It was like kind of like a. It was supposed to be like a '90s Brady Bunch sort of thing. So it was like she had her family, he had yeah. their family, and they all moved in together. And it was called Step by Step. The oldest brother and oldest sister. By the end, they hated each other the whole show. And then by the end of the show, they end up getting together. And everyone was like, "Oh, they pulled yeah. the Clueless." Like I remember even back then, everyone was like, "Oh, they just they just took that from Clueless." It's also worth noting that in the very Brady sequel, which I think came out ninety six, so mm -hmm. it would have been like a year after this, there is a similar story with uh, is it Greg and Marsha? That's right. Uh, yeah, where they they're sharing the they're sharing the bedroom. They've got like uh, the curtain up, and they That's keep right. getting changed, and they keep seeing each other's <laughs> like silhouettes on That's the curtain. Right. So. Obviously, there was something going on in the mid nineties with regards to step siblings <laughs> having relationships. Is, is very is very Brady sequel the one where it, it's revealed that Alice sleeps in the refrigerator every <laughs> I think night? So. I mean, it might be. I, okay. I don't remember that specific joke. Um, it's it's one of my favorite jokes. It's, in it's the one where they go to Hawaii <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, it's oh. the one with George Glass. Yeah, where she makes it. She makes it the boyfriend. She goes, his name's George, and then she looks at the glass and goes, glass. Um, sure, Jan. Also, this in fact, this year on television there was a TV show, or I think maybe early last year or late last year, um, called Billy and Billy, which was written and directed by the playwright slash film director Neil LeBute. and yes, it had uh, Adam Brody, and I can't remember who played the who the the lead. Um, girl was but it was a similar thing where they were step siblings who were in a relationship that they were trying to keep from their parents and they'd grown up together and you know uh, unfortunately it was cancelled after one series all the episodes were named after Nirvana songs and uh, spoiler alert in the last episode you find out they actually might be related and they might not be step siblings so yeah, Yikes. it's never going to get. Well, that that sounds like a that sounds like a Neil LeBeau story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I think that's everything we've covered in this minute. So I just wanted to ask you guys: um, Have you seen any other Alicia Silverstone films? I think I've seen all of them. 
I, I was, I was. You're the opposite really, of every other guest that we've had for yeah, like the I, past I like really seventy something a, episodes. I was really into Alicia Silverstone uh, after this movie, and so I went back and I watched. Well, Scott, she was number five on VH1's uh, hottest hotties yeah. of the nineties. <laughs> she won the MTV Movie Award for Most Devi- Desirable Female the year after this film came out. So. <laughs> um. What a creepy, well, she was yeah. in my heart. They, discon- my heart. they discontinued that category. Yes. That's how desirable she was. After 96, they di- they discontinued it. So After this movie was a big hit, I remember Cinemax would basically play The Babysitter and The Crush kind of like on a loop in like like the midnight 2 a.m. range. So I, I know I ended up watching both of those through Cinemax, I'm sure. And then uh, obviously I was really excited about Batman and Robin. Um, as a kid. And, you know, as a kid, I liked it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that. Oh, me too. Me too. I had that on video. I, I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't like a 12-year-old who didn't like that movie. Yeah, of course I did. I was 12. Uh, so, so you know, obviously that doesn't hold up. I would say of all of her movies, and I saw Excess Baggage in theaters. I remember that. It was one of my first dates, I think. Um, and it was like. What was it like being exposed to Benicio Del Toro for the first time? I didn't know who he was. So, like. Yeah, but, like. But they're like, what is that? <laughs> a little, a little bit. Well, but but if you remember, like in the in the early nineties, like in excess baggage, I mean, he was like kind of like a hunk. So, like he was, yeah, he was, yeah, like like a smoldering yeah. kind of like like which weird is hunk. super yeah. weird yeah. in context now. But but back then, he kind of, I mean, it's kind of like the Alec Baldwin thing again. Yeah, kind of, kind of like a Mickey <laughs> yeah, Rourke yeah, thing. Like you ever see Rourke. young Mickey Rourke? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember excess baggage was was pretty okay. But the, the one movie of hers that I think holds the test of time more than the other ones anyway, uh, other than Clueless, would be Blast from the Past. I think that's probably the best one that she did. I mean, that one's got a really fun uh, concept of, you know, Brendan Fraser being raised in a, in a 50s bunker. Um, and, <laughs> with, and, 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 and I, I still think about like the hot Dr. Pepper thing every once in a while because his dad drank warmed up Dr. Pepper, like hot Dr. Pepper. Um, Christopher Walken, like that was like his like little like tick was like he drank warmed up Dr. Pepper. And uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I saw most of those. And then she kind of just fell off the face of the planet for a while um, and has just recently started kind of like popping up in things again. She did that Amy Heckerling movie uh, a couple years ago, Bam- the vampire Bams. thing. Yeah, which wasn't very good, yeah. um, unfortunately, because it, it should have been. It was, I mean, Kristen Ritter and, and Alicia Silverstone, like that's that's a that's a team up I want to see. But turns out you don't C- really. Kristen Ritter and Amy yeah, Heckerling. Right. I mean, that alone, totally. But yeah, uh, not great, not great. And uh, but I, I did. I watched Suburgatory, Subur- so uh, I saw her sort of story arc on that toward the end of that show, and uh, it was weird because I was listening to the podcast and I was like waiting. I, I was like. You would ask this question. I was like, oh, okay, so this is the thing that is asked every week. And I was like, which ones have I seen? And I looked up the IMDb and I was like, oh, my God, I think I've seen all of them. <laughs> uh, have you even seen Mismatch, the, um, yeah. the matchmaker lawyer show? Yep. Yeah. So have I. I've seen that as well. Yeah. <laughs> We're probably the only Wait, two. Scott, you've seen what? Stormbreaker? What is Stormbreaker? I don't, I don't know that one. Okay. Oh, I, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't even mean to do this. But she was in um, – so there was this the, – the series of young adult books called the Alex Ryder book. Yeah, and he was like, he's James Bond, but he's a teenager. He's, a kid. he's yeah. American, and yeah, and and uh, Alicia Silverstone was uh, was in was in that one along with um, uh, Mickey Rourke. Oh, when was that? Uh, oh, okay, that would have been yeah, during a time that I wasn't a while ago. Yeah, 
<laughs> I assume that was during her dark. Days. I was going to say there is something that is worth looking up, which is she did a like parody trailer for a thing called like My Mother's um, Red Hat, which is like a it's it's only like a like a three minute thing. It's like a funny or die thing, and um, it's it's like it's like a, a parody of every single kind of like indie film where like um, women go off to like find themselves and they play lots of indie music. Oh, um, it's got, it's got Alanis Morissette in it. Um, and it does, there's like this weird, like joke that keeps building up about the music. And at one point, like there's lots of reviews and one of them says at one point they just played four or five tracks all at the same time. And that's literally what they do is they just play a lot of tracks over the top of each other. So you can't hear them. Um, and it's, it's like, you know, it's like, two women in a kind of like convertible on the highway like screaming and yelling that kind of like indie film mm -hmm. but if you watch that that is that was that was from like 2009 but it is like like really funny someone shared that on like the facebook page and i haven't had the opportunity to bring it up but that's worth looking at uh i'm not gonna lie some of these some of these were not uh some of these i, I just haven't seen i mean i've seen nexus baggage uh i uh, i've seen scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed mm -hmm. uh written by james gunn and um I want to I want to shed light on uh, something that I, I, don't, I don't know if I don't know you guys might have already been past your 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 litness for for this type of thing, but I was a big fan of uh, the animated show uh, Braceface. Mm, yeah, you're the first to mention it. Yeah, where she yeah. was the uh, she was the lead character Sharon Spitz, and also the executive producer. It was kind of like her. Um, yeah, and that's something that I've really I really uh, I'm kind of uh, I don't know. The, I, I'm really rooting for her as uh as a filmmaker and an actress because i i i see that she does like to produce things and likes to get involved with stuff and you know we we're starting to see the uh the Win the winona writer sants starting mm. to happen with uh with stranger things and and black swan and i'm i am all for someone giving alicia silverstone like her her comeback mm -hmm. role her uh, show me a hero thing something like that to... yes yeah. totally yeah yeah, or even or even if it was something like you know when they when Molly Ringwald was the mom in uh, Secret Life of the American Teenager, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, which you know I, I I I can't speak on that show. I haven't seen it, but uh, but yeah, I I, I miss mm -hmm. her, and I want her to. I don't want I don't want I, I don't want her career to just be oh she was in Clueless and then it just kind of tapered off. You know what I mean? Well, well, we had Molly Ringwald about about six or seven years ago mm -hmm. now we're in renault rider which you know uh that's like oh well, that's heather's so, yeah heather's yeah. so we're, move, we're moving through we're yeah. moving through aren't we we're Lisa silverstone's to... next she's yeah. due yeah and then maybe when and then after that we get we get Lindsay lohan back maybe, yes in <laughs> a few years <laughs> i don't think we'll ever get Lindsay lohan back <laughs> no i think she's we'll have to her. hope that jennifer garner is the one who gets the resurgence of the 2004 um, <laughs> yeah. stuff. more letters from heaven <laughs> jennifer love hewitt yeah yeah i mean she was on um lifetime with the um the uh the massage show mm. um so which i will admit here i've watched every single episode because <laughs> who doesn't love jennifer love hewitt yeah. she met her new husband on that show um anyway i feel like we've gotten slightly off topic so um and there's, there's we're eager to get to tomorrow's episode so i'll say goodbye to you two guys uh is there anything you wish to plug i'll start with nick this time i'm going back to the future minute we uh scott and i executive produce um an original audio series uh called geek by night uh and ev everything that we talk about can be found on uh our website duelinggenre.com uh which is our production company and uh geek by night is uh, it's kind of Scott and I's 
uh, kind of just it's us learning how to run a TV show basically, and uh, it's about these group of friends that get superpowers, but it's really about these like group of friends and like the the transition from your twenties to your thirties, and we're all of us you know uh, and our writers are so inspired by things like you know things like Clueless or Gilmore Girls or Mean Girls or you know very witty dialogue heavy kind of fun comedy and so if 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 our listeners are fans of of you know kind of heightened dialogue and fun characters uh hopefully hopefully uh give geek by nine a chance and maybe you'll even uh, find some new favorite characters and and your twitter is uh nick m jimenez and i'm at scott corelli okay well uh thanks for joining me i hope we can return tomorrow for the uh, exploding waterfall fanfare uh, which i feel is going to be a highlight yeah. Uh, so, uh, other than that, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests, Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice. And please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.